Turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, we'll continue, of course, our study of the book of Genesis, and it's, we call it the book of beginnings. This evening, I think, one of the key events and one of the sad events of all time, and that's where man chooses to rebel against God, and that we see the fall of mankind. The serpent tempted the woman, raising doubts about God's love and about God's word. She eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because she wanted to be like God. And as we look at this passage, we'll see the temptation in its pull. We'll see how we're affected, how we can stand strong against the temptations in our lives. We want to understand the passage, and we want to be ready that when temptations come in our lives, we know where they come from, we know how to deal with them. There's a lot in this passage, and it's a famous passage. Most of us have read it many times. We know the story, and we'll see how it fits together as we study. Let's begin by going to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for Jesus Christ and eternal life as a gift. Thank you for the Bible and how perfect it is. Lord, we ask you that as we look at Genesis chapter 3 that you will teach us, we'll be able to put things together and we'll be able to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Help us, Lord. Thank you for each one that is here. Use us, Lord, for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, several years ago, I got this letter from a church. It's from a group called, it was called, they were called the Congregation of God. That's the name of the group, San Jose, California. Here's the letter. It says, this letter dealt with the end-time events. This group said that they had the answers not only to the end-time events, but to the entire purpose that man was put on this earth. They stated they had been given the gift of knowledge from God and that they would let the rest of us know God's purpose for mankind. Here's a quote from the letter they sent. God has revealed to only a few the knowledge of the things that you see coming. We feel that we're among the few that God has chosen. It goes on to say, enclosed was, it goes on to says, enclosed was this article giving information. The subject was to reveal the purpose that God had created mankind. And then it went on to say, we sincerely hope you'll find the knowledge exciting and uplifting. The title of this article was, To Become a God. Let me quote the first paragraph. It says this, almost every child and adult at one time or another pondered what it would be like to be God, to be a being so powerful and radiant with energy to fulfill every desire, to have all knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, to live forever and never worry about dying, to be able to create something from nothing, to right all wrongs in the world, and to bring happiness to all people. Would you like to be a God? Believe it or not, the very reason for your existence on this planet is to prepare to become a God-being, a child of God, a younger brother of Jesus Christ. It's a long article, but the very end said, Your part, if you are willing to accept the challenge, it sounds like Mission Impossible, doesn't it? Your part, if you're willing to accept the challenge, is to become the very first humans to become God. Well, the first thing you ask when you get a letter like that or an article like that is, Is this what the Scripture teaches? We realize God's word doesn't tell us that our purpose is to become God. In fact, he is the creator. We are the creation. We are to serve him and to love him, not to become a God. In fact, man's problems began when he wanted to become God. In this passage this evening, we're going to see a lie to the woman. And you know, a lot of people say Adam and Eve, but it wasn't Adam and Eve here. Her name was not Eve. His name was Adamah, which is means dirt. We can say Adam. He was the ish. That's the Hebrew word for man. Her name was woman, isha, because she was taken out of man. Her name is not Eve yet. It will not be Eve until after the fall when God, when Adam names her and says her name is called Eve, which is the mother of all living. We'll see how that ties together later on. So we see the lie to the woman that, and to the man as well. If they will eat from the tree, they'll be like God. The fall of Satan came when he wanted to be like God. The fall of mankind came when we wanted to be like God. So this evening we see the fall of man. The woman and the man in the garden eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? 
to be like God. We'll see how that ties together. Even today, temptations, there are temptations everywhere to, 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 to want to go contrary to God's revealed will. And so there's some things we'll see. Let's get the details. Let's start with chapter 3. Look at verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now when it says the serpent was more crafty, the word crafty doesn't necessarily mean something bad. It has an idea of clever. It has an idea of smooth. You know, you're really smooth. It, it's not necessarily a bad word. It just means smooth. Now it says uh, the serpent, and that's the snake. Now I want you to understand that when you picture the serpent in the in the uh, in the garden, don't picture a snake coming up and saluting up because that hadn't happened yet. We don't know what this being looked like, whether it had legs, whether it was on fours, whether it was stood up, whatever it was, we don't know. But uh, it's not like it is today because uh, we're going to find that part of the curse, we'll see that next time, curse on the, on the serpent is to crawl on his belly. So it didn't do that. Um, Best we can tell when we see this, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field. As you look back, we realize that this serpent, whatever being this is, is possessed by the devil. If you go back, go to the book of Revelation, he calls uh, Satan the devil and the serpent of old. So uh, he comes in this garden, and there's a plan here to tempt man. Now, if you want to just you know, think about all the theories and all the things, we know that God created the heavens and the earth. We know sometime Satan, an angel who was the th- guardian of the throne, rebelled against God and was removed, and some other angels went with him, which we call them all demons. And now we see it apparently is that after God has made the heavens and the earth and put the man in the garden and the woman, that this being, this, this demonic devil a uh, fallen angel is coming in the form of a serpent to tempt the woman to get her to rebel against God. That's that's the best we can tell. So it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So he's coming to do the fall. Now realize from God's word that after the casting out of the devil, it seems that he's, his plan is to try to pollute the world and cause man to fall. And uh, there'll come a time. And we've been seeing it on in our Sunday morning Sunday school class. I've been doing a study called The Seven Last Things in Revelation. And we saw in one of those seven last things was Lucifer or the devil was cast into the lake of fire. So there's going to be a time in which Satan will no longer have any being or influence in this fallen world. Well, notice this. The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman. Now, before we get into what he said, do you think it was strange that he spoke to the woman? Does she act like that she's really shocked? I mean, if you read the passage, he said, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the servant, Well, she didn't say, What are you talking? I've never heard an animal talk. What do you mean you're talking? How do you talk? She didn't do that at all. In fact, she doesn't even seem to be surprised that this being talked to her. There's some people who've said that before the fall, maybe the animals talked. Who knows? We don't know. Didn't say anything about that. They're definitely not the same as we are. There's no doubt about that because man was made in the image of God. The animals weren't. But she's not shocked when this being, this serpent, talks to her. And here's what he says. And he's going to raise two doubts. Notice what he says. Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to realize that when he starts off by saying, indeed, has God said He wants to raise some doubts in this woman's mind. And doubts about two things. First of all, he wants her to doubt God's love, and he wants her to doubt God's word. Now, that's the way Satan deals all the time. He wants you to doubt God's love. 
He wants you to wonder, does God really love you? And if God really loved you, why didn't he do certain things? Why haven't everything worked out the way it should? Why isn't it uh, things are better than they are if God really loves you? Wouldn't he want the best for you? And, and why wouldn't some of these things that you've always wanted happen? And then he wants you to doubt God's word. And if you would go back, if he wants you to doubt God's word, because if you doubt God's word is, I mean, is every bit of the Bible true? I mean, is this is this true story? I mean, really, was there a serpent? Did it come to a woman? Or is this just a story? And some would say, that's just a story, and there wasn't any Jonah, and there wasn't any fish, and, and who knows if there really wasn't Esther, and, and some of these things about David and Goliath, and, I mean, you can start going through the Bible, and people say, well, I, I don't know if there really was that, and, and surely that wasn't six days that he created the heavens. And there's, I mean, we all know, you know. So what happens is he wants you to doubt the love of God and doubt God's word. Let's start first with doubt God's love. That's what he, what he says. Listen. Has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, what he's really saying, is God holding back? If God really loved you, why would he limit you? You mean God said you can't eat from all the trees? I thought you said God loved you. If God really loves you, he would let you eat from every tree. If God really loves you, why is he holding back? And see, that's what Satan wants to do always. In our lives as fallen people in a fallen world. He wants you to say, you know, if God really loved me, why didn't all this work out? Why did this person get sick? Why did this happen here? How come I didn't get that job? How come this goes away? How come this? How come I'm not married? How come this? I mean, over and over and over. If God really loved you, wouldn't he give you everything that you want? That's what we think. But, you know, if you know... And you look back on our lives, we realize it's a good thing we didn't get everything we wanted. It's a good thing we didn't get everything we prayed for and said, oh, Lord, I just got to have that. And he goes, yeah, right. Let me tell you, it's best that you don't have it because I love you so much. Well, watch how she answers. You know, if God really loved you, why would he limit you? So here's what she says, verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but... From the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now, he, here's, what, here's her answer. She said, well, he said we, could eat, we could eat from all the trees, all the trees except one. There's, the, there's a tree in the middle. There's a tree in the middle, and we're not to eat it or what? Touch it. Now, did God say not touch it? The best that we can say, no. But let me tell you, when, when God gave the instruction, if you go back to chapter 2, and he told Adam, Adamah, he said, From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat from it, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die, and the Hebrew die and you shall die. He told Adam that. He, the, the woman wasn't there. She wasn't even created yet. It may be that when Adam talked to his wife, he said, See that tree right there? Don't eat it. Don't even touch it. Don't even get over there close to it. God said, don't eat it. Don't touch it. Don't do it. So she says, we're not going to eat it or touch it. He probably just said, don't even go near the thing. And we might say, why are you even close to it now? Right? Because the servant comes up and says, can you eat from all the trees? Well, we can't eat from that tree right there. Disobedience. Brings death. Because what did she say? You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. What God said is if you eat, you'll die. You'll die. 
And we already know that the Hebrew back over there in, in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, dying, you shall surely die. The best we can see is dying spiritually, you die physically. Because they died spiritually the moment they ate from the fruit, they died physically some years later, a number of years later. Physical death is a result of spiritual death. So the very first thing is he wants her to doubt God's love. If God really loved you, he'd give you anything you wanted. Sometimes we think that way. We pray for something. We say, Lord, I really, really want this, and it doesn't happen. And Satan says, see, he, he, didn't, he really loved you. He would have given you that. There's a second thing. Doubt God's word. Now, doubt God's love. Now he wants her to doubt God's word. Notice what he says, verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. He literally says, you shall not die and die. That's what he said. He says the same thing that God said, except he says it in the, the negative. As said, you're not going to die. You're not going to die and die. In no way will you die. What Satan is saying there is that God is a liar. That God is lying to you. Doubt God's word. Doubt God's love. Now, there's the plan. If you doubt God's love, because he's holding back. See, if he really loved you, he'd give you anything you want. So you mean out of all the trees you can eat, but not this one. I wonder why. wonder why he doesn't want you to eat from that tree. I think he's holding back. And second is, he's not true. Because he told you you would die when you ate from that tree. You wouldn't die when you eat from that tree. So, doubt God's word. Doubt God's love. It's powerful. And he does the same thing with us today. If God really loved you, this wouldn't have happened to you. God's word isn't really true. Some of these things aren't true. Some of these parts of the Old Testament didn't really happen. Some of the things in the New Testament didn't really happen. Doubt leads to discouragement. Discouragement leads to distrust. Distrust leads to disobedience. You have to be very careful when you start that road of saying, I don't know if God really has my best interest. I don't know if this really is God's word. I don't know. And I've seen people go off to schools, to seminaries. I've known guys, even people that have come to countryside and go off to schools. And, and not too long after they're there, they come back and they'll tell me, well, you know, I, I'm not sure that some of these things are true. I said, what do you mean you're not true? Well, you know, the Bible has a lot of problems in it. And, and the more you really get into the Hebrew and Greek, and I said, well, I've got into the Hebrew and Greek. What part are you talking about? What are you talking about? What do you mean the more you get into the Hebrew or Greek, you, you don't trust it anymore? Yeah, what about the manuscripts? Have you done textual criticism? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've done textual criticism. There's so many errors. I said, I haven't found one yet. You found one? Show me one. Well, the manuscripts aren't reliable. Who told you that? Who told you that? See, I mean, so the more you, you know, it's amazing how people can begin to doubt things and, and this discouragement and then distrust and then disobedience. Now, notice what he says. And this is the key. Watch. Verse 5. The serpent, verse 4 says, the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die for, he's going to explain, God knows that in the day you eat from it, eat from that tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now here, here's the truth, which is really a lie. God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because the day you eat from that tree, you're going to be like God. See, your eyes are going to be open. And see, God knows good and evil and right and wrong. And he doesn't want you to know right from wrong. And so the moment you eat from that tree, you're going to be like God. And let me tell you, God doesn't want any competition. He didn't need another God hanging around here. And so that's why he said, don't eat from that tree. Because when you eat from that tree, you're going to be like God. And right now, he's the only God. And he doesn't want any competition. So, 
the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened, you'll see fully, and you will be like God. Isn't that the original lie? See the fall of Satan? The five I wills of Isaiah? He said, I will be like the Most High. That's what Satan said. I'm going to be like God. And he was removed. The fall in mankind is what? You're going to be like God. And that group in California that wrote me that letter, they want to be like God. There's, there's one whole denomination of people that their whole plan is to be gods. It's the original lie. It's the original lie. He says God's really holding back because he doesn't want any competition. Some people say, well, wasn't this sort of the truth? Let me ask you a question. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was set up so that people, that they would learn what? Good from evil. They were to learn good from evil by what? Doing good, doing what's right. You learn right from wrong by doing right, but you could also learn right from wrong by doing what? Doing wrong, and this is what's going to happen. There's a half-truth here. Would they be like God, knowing good and evil? Does God know good and evil? When you eat the fruit of the tree, would you be no good and evil? Would they be like God, knowing good and evil? Yes, but would they be like God? See, Satan's lies are always, this is going to be really good. Really? Oh, yeah, going to be better than you've ever thought. And then it happens, and you go, that wasn't that good. You're a liar. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's a liar. What did he do to them? You'll be like God, knowing right and wrong. He said it this way. You'll be like God, knowing right and wrong. The truth is, they'd be like God, knowing right from wrong. As Lewis Johnson says, by eating the fruit, man would become to know good and evil, and in this respect, they would be like God, but the knowledge would, make, would not make them like God in the sense that they might thought. John 8, the devil is a liar, and he's been a liar from the beginning. This is the beginning part. See, it always looks good, doesn't it? It doesn't always look good. It always promises you more and costs you more and takes you further. Well... Seeing is never what it appears to be. I, I already read you the story. This lady, her name was Helena Molesky. She was an actress in the late 1800s. Uh, she was known for her emotional style and her ability to speak. She was from Poland. And it says that once, when she was in America, she was this famous, they had a big dinner in her honor and everything. And at the dinner, she was asked to give a dramatic reading. And they said, would you do it in, in your, your native tongue? And so she got up, and in Polish, she, she went through this thing. It was so beautiful. People were moved to tears. And they asked her, what, what did you say? What did you quote? And she said, the Polish alphabet. Things aren't always what they seem, are they? Satan says, this is really, really good. And you go, boy, that looks really good, but it's not. And you know, if you eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. And she goes, well, I kind of always wanted to be God. I mean, that'd be a pretty good thing, wouldn't it? How long you existed? Oh, a couple of days, but I've always wanted to be God, right? Well, God's holding back. Doubt his love, doubt his word. He doesn't want competition. You can be God. He's not telling you everything. That's the temptation to disobey, the doubt and the exultation. God's not truthful. It won't hurt you. 
You know, that's what sin always does, doesn't it? Doesn't, doesn't the lie that what you do doesn't hurt you? What you put in your brain won't hurt you? Oh, this is just the last time anyway that I'll do this. It's the last time I'll think this thought. It's the last time I'll do Oh, it won't hurt me. And the only person that's affected is me, and it's really not hurting me, and it's not going to touch anybody else. Isn't that what we say? Isn't that what we think? It's a lie. And that's what we think. What if she had said... Is there a next slide? Yeah. Oh, that's what. What if she had said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you saying to me? You're saying to me, eat the tree. Eat from the tree. Well, let me tell you this. I trust God. Now, he has never lied to me before. He has provided everything we've ever needed. He has always done what's best for us. He loves me because he's, I mean, I talk to him. He always tells me the truth. I, I, I don't need to eat from that because I don't believe you. I believe him. But she could have also said, if this is true, why don't you go eat it and become a god? Why wouldn't you say, why don't you eat it? Why do you want me to eat it? Why don't you eat it? If this is so true, I trust God. I don't trust you. Well, here comes one of the saddest portions in the scripture. Because three things that she saw, verse 6. She saw that the tree, she saw it was good for food, delight to the eyes, And to make one wise. Look at the passage. Look at verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that it was a tree that was desirable to make one wise. What did she do? She took from the fruit and ate it. She gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, look at the three things. She saw, first of all, it was good for food. You know what she said? I'm pretty hungry, and it's good for food. I mean, it looks like it would be good food. It I'm pretty hungry, and, you know... There are trees all over the place, and it's a tree, and it has fruit, and it looks good to me. Second, it was a delight to the eyes. She said it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was pleasing. Now, have you ever looked at food, and it's been pleasing? Especially when you're hungry, right? You go, that is the best-looking steak I've ever seen, right? What a potato. That is a great-looking potato. I mean, you, you say that, right? And you say, I want that. I've never been much on vegetables, or maybe we'd say that's the best looking banana I have ever seen but anyway she's there and she says it looks good but the third thing was it was to make one wise this is how she's going to become like God I mean see what it says it was was desirable the tree was desirable to make one wise Irving Jensen writes he says our enemy has no new methods for our generation in 1st John it says, love not the world or the things in the world. And it goes on to say, for the things of the world, this loves the world of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Look at these three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust of the flesh looks good. The lust of the eyes, pleasing to sight, pride of life to make us wise. It's the exact same temptations. We face the same temptations as she faced in the garden. They come in all the time. There's something that looks good. There's something that is going to meet one of the desires of our flesh. And there's something that we think will make us better, make us wise, make us to, to be something better. We face those same temptations. James says that we're tempted by our own lust. And lust, when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. Now, temptation is not sin. When she's tempted right here, she has not sinned. And when temptation comes in your life, and you're tempted, you've not sinned. Jesus was tempted in all points, yet what? Without sin. So temptation itself is not sin. It's how we respond to that temptation. What did she do? When the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was a light to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she 
took from it. She took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Now, she saw it and she took it. She ate it. And then they're going to hide. And that's the pattern. We'll see it some other time. But there's a pattern that you see when people sin. We, we see it. We want it. We do it. And we try to hide it. It's all the way through. Uh, when Achan stole the, the, the stuff, it, you know, this was when Joshua and the battles. And Achan went into the city of Jericho. And he took stuff. He said he saw it. He took it. He hid it. You know. It's just the way it is. That's, that's there. She took from its fruit and ate. She gave it to her husband who was with her. Now, I want you to understand, the way this is written in the Hebrew is that she didn't do this. She didn't get the fruit, eat it, and then go, Adama, where are you? I'm way over here in the field. Come here, honey. I got something for you. That's not what we can see from the Hebrew. From the Hebrew, he's with her. It says, she took, she ate, she gave to her husband with her. With her, and he ate. Now, what should he have done? Hey, 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 you don't touch that tree. Don't touch, what do you think you do? Don't listen to that guy. We know what's better. Listen, I've talked to God. He said, don't do that. That's what he should have done. He should have said, excuse me. Excuse me. Listen, you want to talk to anybody? You talk to me. You don't talk to her. You talk to me. That's what he should have done. He's the provider, protector of the family. He's the head of the home. But what does he do? He goes, what, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? <laughs> we got anything to eat? Yeah, I got this. Oh, I'll take it. You know, that's what he did. He sinned knowingly. She was deceived. We'll see it in a little bit. She gave to her husband and who was with her and he ate. Why didn't he stop her? He was making a choice. He was making a choice either to obey God and follow God and listen to God or listen to the voice of his wife. And that's why when, when God comes to the man, we'll see it next week, he says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. What he's saying is, you, you didn't listen to me, you listened to her. You had the choice. Listen to me, listen to her, you listened to her. The difference here is she sinned being deceived, he sinned knowingly. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 states that the woman was deceived, but the man was not deceived. That's why the Bible says through one man sin into the world and death by sin, death passed upon all for all sin. Even though she ate first, she was deceived. He sinned knowingly. He was right there. He should have stopped the whole thing. He had a choice. We have choices every day. Will we follow others or will we follow the Word of God? Will we follow our culture or will we follow the truths of the Scripture? Will we follow what God has given to us or will we follow what the world says? Well, there's two things that happened, and I want you to see it. There was guilt and loss of fellowship. Now, that's what sin does every time. Every time we do something that's contrary to the Scripture, there will be guilt in our lives because we go, oh, I did wrong. I knew, I mean, I wanted to, but I shouldn't have. And, and then there's the loss of fellowship, the loss of fellowship with God. That's what happens. So look, first of all, at the guilt here that we're going to see of verse uh, 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. That's just what he said. Your eyes will be opened. And suddenly they thought they were God. No, that's not what it says. The eyes of them were both open, and they knew they were what? Naked. They went, oh, my goodness. I thought, what, what happened to your clothes? What clothes? We have never had any clothes on. Well, now we need them. Why do we need them? Because there's sin. There's guilt. Their sin has entered the world. And there's going to be a breaking in fellowship between them and a breaking in fellowship between God. But look what it says. They, they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They covered themselves up. They've not wrong right, right or wrong up to this point. Now they do. 
They know right from wrong because they did wrong. Sin is never as good as it looks. It costs you more and takes you further. Their relationship has changed. Instead of that perfect fellowship that they've had, now they're going, wait a minute, whoa, wait a minute, let's get some stuff and cover up. Now they have something to hide. They never had anything to hide before. They try to cover up their sins. That's what guilt does. They try to cover up sin. When you feel guilty, you try to cover it up. That's what the... the, uh, the uh, when they got the, the fig leaves and, and, you know, did this. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to cover up. And this is man trying to figure out a way to cover up his wrong by his own efforts. And all through history, that's what people have tried to do. There's a second thing. There's the loss of fellowship. And there's the loss of fellowship with each other. Let me show you this. You realize they have just been the perfect couple. Right? They've been the only couple, but they've been the perfect couple, right? What happens when God comes and says, Adamah? Have you eaten that fruit? What does he say? It's it's her fault. Defective woman. That's what it is. Defective woman. And we'll see that next week. Oh, I thought they had great fellowship. They don't have great fellowship. Because sin has entered. Both of the eyes were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And they have this broken fellowship. Notice verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God. Remember that special look at the title there, Lord God. If your Bible's like mine, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the personal name of God. That's Y-H-W-H in Hebrew. Personal name of God. They heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Obviously, this is something that he's done before. They know he's coming. And so what did they do? The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why are they hiding? I thought they were in perfect fellowship with God. No, they're not in perfect fellowship with God. Why? Because sin brings the loss of fellowship. The fellowship was broken. They have already died spiritually right there. And later on, they'll die physically. The result of sin is the loss of fellowship and the guilt and how it all ties together. Now, it's pretty sad. We're going to stop there. There's, there's some incredible things because God's going to come and he's going to talk to the man first and he's going to talk to the woman then he's going to talk to the serpent then he's going to go backwards. He's going to give the curse on the serpent, the curse on the woman, and the curse on the man. And he's going to, so he's going to do that. We'll see how that goes. What have we seen? We've seen the temptation of the woman. The devil's, devil's plan is for her to doubt God's love and doubt God's word. He says, you'll be like God. She looked at it. It was very subtle. It looked good. It looked good for food. She was hungry. Then it looked good. It was pleasing to the eyes and it was to make her wise. And the woman was deceived. She took the fruit and ate it and gave it to the man and he sinned knowingly. And the result of spiritual death, the result is guilt. The result is a loss of fellowship. And they try to cover up their sins. Now we're going to see at the end of the chapter that man can't cover up his own sin. He can't do it. Only God can deal with it. That's why at the end he kills an animal. If you remember, he killed an animal and gave them the coats of skin. Why? Because he's, he's covering their sin. That was a foreshadow of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who's going to come and die and pay for sin. Now, in the Old Testament, all the sacrifices covered sin until Jesus Christ came as the final sacrifice for sin forever. But here they are with guilt and shame with each other and with God and loss of fellowship, and they're trying to cover up their sins. They've done wrong. They're hiding. My question is, okay, Satan, what, what are you doing? He's over there going, just what I wanted. Just what I wanted. One good thing about it, you go to the end of the book, we win. Right? You go to the end. Let me give you some applications, okay? First one is this. Learn how to deal with temptation. A, 
understand the devil's plan. Overall, he has two areas. What he wants you to do is he wants you to, to, I don't know if it's the next slide or not. Yeah, he wants you to doubt God's love and doubt God's word. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you, as you go through life, to doubt that God really loves you. That he has the best for you. Because there are going to be some nasty bad things coming into your life. It just happens in life. It's a fallen world. There are going to be things. God's working all things according to the counsel of his world. He works all things together for good. But there's going to be some bad things. He wants you to doubt that he loves you. He wants you to doubt that his word is true. And you can look through this and you can say, is this true? Is this really true? And, and you'll find more and more people who say, well, some of this is true and some of it is not. How are you going to pick and choose? How are you going to decide? So understand the devil's plan B. Realize how temptation comes. Three areas, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. There are going to be things that we see. There are going to be things that we want. And there's going to be the idea of pride. It happens all the time. Satan always uses lures. Don't take the bait. Sin always looks good. Promises happiness and goodness and joy. And, and let me ask you this question. Is sin good? Oh, let me ask, is it good to do? Sometimes it is, right? What do you mean sometimes? Would we ever do it if it was, oh, it's horrible. I don't want to do that, but I'm going to do it because it's horrible. No. The lust of the flesh says, yes. But it's always a lie. It always destroys. It always brings death. It always takes you further than you planned. It always costs you more. Temptation's not sin. But how we respond to the temptation could result in sin. See how to deal with temptation there's several things first of all flee flee youthful lust second timothy 2:22 says flee youthful lust and i want you to understand youthful lust just isn't always for the youth is that true it's called youthful lust because that's when it first affects you but it affects you the rest of your life and so the lust and the pulls are there and he says flee it anytime you're in a situation in which you are being tempted in which the lust of the flesh is pulling you need to get out of there we think of the course of Joseph and, and Potiphar's wife and what did he do he just ran well if we fall into temptation uh, we can fall into temptation if we don't flee from it we can fall so flee youthful us, go back to the character of God. You know, he's told us what's right. He told us what's best for us. And sometimes we say, that seems so good. I, I mean, I know it's wrong, but it seems so good. Listen, what does God say? Because remember, Satan says, he's a liar. And God says, no, 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 Satan's the liar. So go back to the character of God. He loves us more than we can imagine. He loves us. He, he loved the whole world. He knows what's best for us. He wants only what's best for us. In fact, think about this. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us with an everlasting love. Third thing, go back to the Word of God. So you go back to the character of God. What's He like? So you don't have to doubt His love. But you can go back to the Word of God. Don't get about the Word of God either. Go back to the truths of God's Word. It's always true, and whenever it says something is right or something is wrong, always go by the Scripture. Because there are going to be people who say, well, it really doesn't matter anymore. Yes, it does. Whatever the Scripture says is right. Erasmus, he was a guy who wrote and helped put together, actually helped put together the first. He, he took uh, the, some Greek manuscripts, about eight of them, put them together, and t from those Greek manuscripts became the King James Bible. So this is the guy. He said this, don't compare the difficulties of combating temptation with the pleasures of sin, you have to compare it with the bitterness that it brings. You can't look at sin and say, gee, that's really good. <laughs> what you have to say is, that may be good, but here's the results, and it's really bad. Will you listen to the world, or will you listen to the Word? 
How do we deal with temptation? Flee. Go to the character of God. Go back to the word of God. It's always right. May we understand temptation, know where it comes from, and some key ways to deal with it. Well, we've seen the fall. We're going to see God coming. In fact, he's in verse 8, he's coming in the garden, and he's going to call out to the man, where are you? And what we know and what we realize is he wants man to confess. I mean, do you think God knows where Adam is? Hey, of course he knows where Adam is. He says, I see you over there behind the bush. I see you. But he doesn't do that. He comes and goes, where are you? He wants him to say, I like to say a few things. I blew it. I don't know what I was thinking. I ate from that tree over there. I know you told me not to, but I blew it. That's not what he does. Anytime you sin, what God wants you to do is confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. He doesn't want you to hide it. He doesn't want you to blame somebody else. He wants you to tell on yourself. We'll see next week what happens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great passage. Thank you for these truths. Help us to know them and understand them. Make application. Help us, Lord, as we deal <coughs> with temptation. Understanding the devil's plan is just for, but for me to doubt your love and to doubt your word. And Lord, we know how it comes. Lust the flesh, lust the eyes, pride of life. Lord, we got to, to deal with it. We got to flee. We got to go back to the character of God and we got to go back to the word of God. And Lord, may we do that. Thank you for your word and Help us in these areas. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, questions, comments, anything? I know we're right at time, but uh, any questions or comments? Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 it says he's a serpent. So, And it says, if you notice carefully, it said, and this is how you, you look at it. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So it appears that he's a beast of the field somehow. So he's some animal on the earth. So he doesn't appear to be human. Maybe he looked more human than other animals. I don't know. It did seem to me surprising that she did not go, you t- you're talking? You're talking to me? You know, she she didn't. So I think it's a little strange. And who knows what it was like before the fall with man and the animals. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I think he was an animal. I think the serpent, I think Satan possessed or came in some form of an animal, which is called the serpent, but uh, don't know what it looked like. Yeah, that's a great point. What else? Anything? John. Oh, I think he says, how would the fruit, she says it was desirable to make one wise. I think she thought being like God would make her wise because he supposedly was the wisest one. So I think she thought that if I eat this fruit, I'll be like God and I'll be very wise. And so that's why I think it meant the fruit would be wise. That's the best I can tell there. But how did she know that if God didn't tell her? The serpent told her that if she ate that, she'd be like God, knowing right from wrong. See, she didn't know right from wrong. She didn't really know anything. You know, so in her mind, she's saying, I don't really know anything. This fruit would make me wise. It'd make me like God. I'd know right from wrong, and I'd be like God. And what I know from God is he's the smartest one around. That's what I think that it's meaning there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bottom line, if we look at it and we say, okay, in the plan of God, he has the tree of knowledge of good and evil there so that man will learn right from wrong. Now, what we said is the ultimate best plan, or we think the best plan, would be man would learn right from wrong by doing right, by not eating from the tree. And so he says, here's the right thing, here's the wrong thing. I now learned right from wrong. We know they learned right from wrong by doing the wrong thing. 
in the ultimate plan of God. Apparently, the very best of all possible plans is that man would fall and that they would see God as not only the creator and the provider, but the creator, provider, and redeemer. Because the Bible says, by this we understand the love of God, that God sent his son into this world to, to be our savior. So it seems like maybe the best way that man could actually see God's love is through a redeemer. And I don't know, but because he doesn't tell us. He doesn't tell us his plan. He doesn't tell us why he does what he does. But it, apparently that is the best of all pl- possible plans. Well, yeah. Yeah, they do. Do they do? Do y'all think women see things differently than men? Okay. <laughs> well, okay, let's think about it. We've, we've always said that the man has the boxes, and we think, here's my box, and here's this, and here's, here's food, and, and, and this, and this, and this, and this. I got all these different things that we got. Here's the woman, and everything flows together. Her mind may be saying, well, everything flows together. There's the eating, there's this, there's this, there's being like God. He's over there going, don't touch boxes you don't, don't touch the tree i got my box right here don't touch the tree that's what he told me but here's the point why didn't he stop her why didn't he go excuse me you talking to her you better be talking to me you don't talk to her you talk to me i'm the boss right here huh he didn't take the leadership that's what happened yes The way, the way it appears, it's all one flow because she, he's telling her about the tree. She eats, gives to the husband who's with her. They eat, and then when, when, when the Lord God comes, serpent's still there. Yeah, but we don't know how long that took, and serpent's still there because when God comes, he lines them all up. So it's, it's not like this is a two- or three-day thing. I think this all happened in just a matter of time, for a very short period of time. It's a possibility that serpent tempted her, then he left. I'm just saying this. She ate Adam's with her when they eat. But the whole thing, the serpent's there even when the Lord comes. So it appears in the flow that all this happens. They're all three there even when she takes and eats. And when the Lord comes, they're still all three there. The two of them are hiding. Probably the serpent's over on the side over here or something. We don't know. But he lines them all up to talk to them. When, and we'll see it next week. He talks to the man. He talks to the woman. He talks to the serpent. And then he goes backwards on the curses because he goes to the serpent, the woman, and the man. Yeah. Thank you for that vote of confidence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything else? Okay, Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you, Lord, for your word and how perfect it is. Help us to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and to deal with these things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.